Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, comrades, compañeros, welcome to another edition of the Fifth Column Podcast, your favorite podcast, the most popular podcast in America. I think I don't have the numbers handy, but I suspect that to be true. And you are not just getting me today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this podcast. This is a introduction for a few reasons. Number one, uh, we have a guy that's on the podcast called Matt Welch. You might have heard of him from Reason Magazine. Is uh, Luddite doesn't quite explain it. Because um, he doesn't hate technology. He's just amazingly stupid about it. And because of this, we recorded this episode on Sunday uh, afternoon, and Matt got a new laptop, which he's not familiar with, like his previous laptop that he had for 45 years. He was not familiar with that either. And because of a lot of different factors, the the recording disappeared. <laughs> okay. And here's the thing, and this is something that is relevant. If you haven't already subscribed to the Substack, uh, preferably the paying one, because that's where the real fun and the real action is. But even if you just want to subscribe to the free one, that's also good. We keep you up to date with uh, lots of things. And in the new year, January 1st, there'll be some changes. Uh, these are not shocking changes. These are just changes that you'll you'll be happy about and, and support. But you actually would have heard this episode already had you subscribed, um, even to the freebie one, I think, uh, because we did this one live on, uh, what is it, Twitch, a platform owned by Amazon, I believe, and uh, mostly for young people who never go outside to watch other people that never go outside play video games in make-believe worlds. Apparently, it's very successful and people like it. But we have been using Twitch to live stream our recordings where you can chime in and talk to us and yell at us and mow us and boo us, you know, and praise us too. That happens sometimes. And you would have heard this episode already. But thankfully for Twitch, because the recording was lost, there was an archive over on Twitch, which I mined for the audio. And in that audio, I sound really loud. Matt sounds medium. Camille's kind of whispering. So we tried to fix that. So here's the episode. And I just wanted to tell you that you should subscribe and that this is a salvaged episode from Sunday that you're getting on Tuesday. And we're a little behind the news cycle because of it. We apologize for that. It won't happen again because we shall not trust Matt with anything ever again. So enjoy the episode. Come over to the Substack. We have stuff for subscribers only, uh, another episode every week, and uh, lots of other goodies. And we'll see you back there sometime very soon. Dankeschön. We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse. The fifth column. You guys didn't ask me how I feel. How are you? No, no, I can't feel. No, I mean my microphone. I know. Can you respond? No, no one gives a shit how you feel. Shut up. You're gonna mute your mic most of the time. I took my bandana off. I thought I think I deserve some credit. Yeah, I know. The Stephen Stephen Van Zant tribute band is not going to be live on (laughs) Sunday afternoon. Good lord. Um, Um, How how are you guys doing this fine Sunday? Good. Are we doing a greetings? We're just gonna start. Let's Um, do greetings. I I could do greetings. I think keep it. We keep it. Let's just start. Let's just start. Yeah, we're going well, because we're doing this, we're doing this uh, as a live stream. Um, yeah. It will be obviously on all the normal channels that you would find America's greatest podcast, the Fifth Column. But if you are one of the lucky ones, um, you will know that uh, this is streaming live, and you'd know where to stream it. Um, yeah. We're going to be tightening that up a little bit soon, <laughs> yeah. um, over the just you know generic 
Twitch thing where anybody can kind of join, but uh, we'll be tightening that up. Yeah, so that should encourage you deadbeats and losers uh, to sound like a Donald Trump tweet uh, to, uh, to uh, subscribe. By the way, there is a Twitter feed that has only classic Donald Trump tweets on it. And it is one of the greatest things. Didn't I send that to you guys? I think so. Because everything is like every holiday is like happy flag day, including all you losers and haters. And it's just, I was like, this guy was president. Does anyone realize that he was actually president? It's unbelievable. And some of them are really, really funny, to be honest. They're very funny. So just don't want him as a president. I just want him on Twitter. So um, I suppose we're going to have to talk about that bullshit. Which part? about what the Twitter, the Twitter files. Yeah, I'm still bored of it. I think we actually we talked about it um, the on first the, time. Yeah, the first mm-hmm. yeah. round one. We didn't do the Barry one. We're four uh, in. We're four yeah. in. Now, so we didn't do two. Right. And Schellenberger. That's what the, when they were like, get, was last night. let's yeah. get Schellenberger to talk about the day that you know, like January 6th. Like, OK, I'm <laughs> ready was, for my nap. I think he was actually talking about January 7th. Whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. Calendars are hard. Yeah. And I, I genuinely, when I say think, I mean, I genuinely mean think because I kind of yeah. sort of paid attention. I, I, I'll say that the volume is probably not um, doing them any favors. I think in general, I continue to believe that this is like worthwhile, that the transparency is very good. Um, and we know um, and like all of these per- people personally. Um, and actually, I don't know that we all know them to the same degree. Like I, but I have had dinner at his home. I've met his, his lovely wife um, and I, I like him. Um, so to the extent I have anything critical to say, uh, I suppose you have to take it, take it with a grain of salt. Cause perhaps I, I'm not being as forceful as I might be in other contexts, but in general, I think this is a good thing to do. My At least you admit you're it. taking it soft on him. You know, <laughs> I'm not that's saying good I to am, admit that, yeah. but it's possible. I mean, yeah. whatever. I'm just admitting, I don't know. admitting my Fuck bias. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm wondering like, why him? What is what is the what I is mean this guy? Well, he's have he's to bring part to the of table? Barry's new uh, media enterprise. He's over at Free Press, so he's working on. This oh, well, that would explain it. He's one of okay. the collaborators there. Um, but I'd say in general that there's just been a lot of theater around the releases, which I don't actually think is necessarily on part of the journalists who are doing the coverage. Like every single time one of these things is going to happen, Elon has you know, boom, it's happening right now. Go for it. Um, and yeah. promises before they're released that this is going to be it. The smoking gun is there. Yes, they were meddling in the in the election, not just the U.S. election, but in other elections. And the challenge for them is I think they're actually sifting through the material in real time. And as they do it, we're kind of getting certain certain revelations. But the revelations are often not lining up with the promises and expectations that are being set by Elon which is a bit of a problem. And if there wasn't quite so much of a buildup and we were mm-hmm. just sifting through this stuff and there wasn't even a schedule necessarily, they just had yeah, the, the time to actually do some, do some digging, really f- formulate what's going on and not give me four reports filled with things that I may or may not be interested in. Give me, give me one or two. We, you know, we have, ready. A tr- <laughs> when, yeah. we have a know, tried and true uh, method of this of distributing information like this. It's called magazine articles. <laughs> it's called newspaper articles. Yeah. I am trying to Twitter follow this fucking thing. Yeah. It's, it's horrible. Yeah. Right. It's like, it, you know, and every time I turn, I, I open Twitter, which I'm not doing much this weekend because uh, my dog is, uh, uh, seems to be expiring. But um, as this is happening, I open it up and there's a new like German every time. 
Schnitzengruben and Schnellenberger. And, and I'm trying to go from each one and I'm in the middle of the thread. I'm like, how the fuck, where do I go? Like in the newspaper, in the magazine, I know. So I just sound like an old fogey, but I know where to go to the, the top and it has the byline and I just read through. Mm-hmm. It is so hard. And I'm like zooming in on my phone on screenshots. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Like I can't figure out what the hell half this stuff is. And I think more than anything, I just don't really care. I, I just, I'm sorry. Like, I don't care. I know that Twitter is run by a bunch of people that all have the exact same politics and the exact same politics of everybody who I've ever worked with in my entire life. Right. Except, Except for reason. me. Except Thank for you, you and reason and Camille and stuff. Um, that I have, in fact, worked with some alt-right people like Camille. Um, there have, <laughs> there's been a few experiences. You know, um, post-liberal. That's what it post-liberal. Yeah, post-liberal. Yeah, yeah. He's talking yeah. about the cathedral and then the Holocaust. Yeah. It's like, dude, relax. Yeah. Um, the real Jews. <laughs> but yeah, at the, at the end of the day, it's like, who... Like, I get why it's valuable, but I don't get the import attached to it. And particularly actually from the enemies of, of, you know, this stuff, which is everybody in the mainstream media who seem to be trying to one up each other by saying this stuff is really, really doesn't matter. And also it's just terms of service. And all of that strikes me as bullshit too. And we all, we all knew this in 2018. What? I didn't. That's just, what <laughs> I kind no of idea. newbie are you? Yeah, uh, no, I, th- I think yeah. my, my sense of what is kind of new and interesting is that. You know, Jay Bhattacharya, and I will not even come close to pronouncing that correctly, is Stanford. Uh, Bhattacharya, I think. Thing. That's good, actually. Yeah, yeah that yeah. sounds familiar. Um, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, was definitely like de-emphasized, throttled, uh, whatever the word is, that we're never going to use the word shadow ban again. Um, and it was done. Uh, we don't know exactly the moment that it got done, I don't think, but it was capriciously. And this is part of a trend that we saw a lot of pressure put uh, on him and other people who were COVID skipped. And we talked about this last time we were on. Um, that's bad, right? Like, like there is, and n- no one told anyone of that. And uh, Barry's uh, first round, Twitter files number two, um, was uh, eye-opening to me because it showed screenshots of like blacklist. <laughs> I mean, yeah. They had the people in the mods, are like looking in the in the back end of it. It's like this kind of blacklist. Yeah, let's go with that kind of. Black. They called it blacklist. They could have yeah, called it other stuff. And who's the dude um, that was the head of safety trust, trust, trust anti propaganda? Yeah. Uh, um, your L uh, uh, Roth, yeah, something like something, that. Yeah. Something um, Israeli sounding. Yeah. Um, Camille, I just wanted to point that out to you. <laughs> Jewish sounding name because I know you can't identify. Gets really Jewish excited. sounding names. Yeah, but that guy. It's more that like that guy seems really insufferable because uh, there was a video that I saw posted online where in the insufferable Olympics, he came, he got the gold and the host got the silver, which is uh, Kara Swisher. (laughs) She's wearing dark glasses because, you know, she's in her 70s, but she's cool. She's cool. The dark glasses on. Um, It's like, I cannot fucking stand this one. Is that true? I have no idea. Can't tell between the beneath those dark glasses. Probably had an eye injury, a la yeah. Dreyfus, and you're like mocking a woman who has eye like like Jaruzelski, Jaruzelski, like, <laughs> like Jim McMahon, yeah, greater, uh, yeah, Polak. I'm sure. We'll tell everybody that. Don't pretend you're cool in your leather jacket, and you're like, good lord. Um, but yeah, there is an interview that he did on stage with her, where he was talking about how difficult it was 
to make hundreds of thousands of dollars working at Twitter. And he felt scared uh, because like people said mean things about him online. I can't remember the exact context, but I do remember walking and listening to it in the city going, man, this guy just is driving me absolutely insane. And these people should all fuck off. That's kind of the thing. It's kind of the Megan and Harry thing too. When, you know, we were, we were on uh, Megan Kelly's show talking about this and there, and you know, there's like these clips of, he's like, I don't know what's happening. It's all, it's all bad. And he's in his $15 million Montecito, like fucking mansion. I'm like, dude, what did you ever do? Ginger boy, besides born into this family that you hate and allows you to have a hot wife in a $15 million mansion. Stop complaining. Honestly, I don't want to hear it. And it's like, my mom was died because of the paparazzi. And it's like, no, it was the drunk driver actually. That's actually, you're missing the French guy who was drunk driving the car. But this, all of this stuff is these people weeping online about how hard life is making this much money and having these kind of dream jobs and dream positions. I just, it just drives me insane. Like, stop it. Stop the, uh, whining. That is one of, uh, as the I many, whine, <laughs> of the many um, telltale reactions, which might be more revelatory in their own way than the actual revelations, or at least they compete. Um, yeah. is the the way that immediately when you point out individuals within Twitter who seem kind of ridiculous uh, and yeah. also put their finger uh, on the scale pretty heavily in key moments, as soon as you do that, then Kara Swisher accuses you of like putting their lives in jeopardy. And then like it tells us something about where media discourse has gone the last five, 10 years is that whenever and Glenn Greenwald, who's, you know, always just a strident motherfucker about this stuff. And, <laughs> Glenn, and, really? and I am I'm going to register some disagreements with Glenn, uh, in, in short minutes, I, I predict. Um, but he's right in, uh, in pointing out how quickly they retreat to criticism, like individual criticism of people who held important positions and were talking in public under their name. Um, mm -hmm. He's immediately seen as you're like, you're, you're putting, putting their lives in, in, yeah. in at risk, which is a formulation that never goes in the other direction no one is saying that matt tybee's life has been put at risk well you know that's what ridiculous. got you know that's what got excited what's got them excited about um covid because it was the first time they could actually plausibly say people's lives are in danger if there's misinformation out there i'm not saying this is true yeah but people are dying of covid are actually dying of it so now when they're thumbing this scale they say aha now we have to Jay Bhattacharya and these people, you know, who, by the way, isn't some crank. I mean, he might be wrong. I have no idea. This, I haven't, I haven't looked into this stuff, but he is a, 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 um, medical doctor and he is a professor at Stanford of medicine. Correct. This is not yes. like some yes. random weirdo on the street who says, you know, if you drink, um, you know, a liquefied aluminum, then everything is going to be fine. It's not that kind of thing. So when they got the possibility of saying that is in, and by the way, we need to just constantly reemphasize this because this is when you say that there's no threats to speech, it's just moderation, sort of sensible stuff. The constant invocation of violence that doesn't seem to happen or when there is violence, the excitement to try to tie it to speech like what happened in Colorado, we still have no, no testimony on that. None. Everyone's gotten very quiet on that. But the excitement when someone said, oh, we can tie this to, you know, I don't know, libs of TikTok or these people that are talking about trans issues. You know, there's been all these re this reporting, which I use air quotes in this reporting, that certain that power stations have been attacked around the country. Yeah, you yeah, this? yeah. I haven't. And one of them was like, there was within a hundred miles, 
there was going to be a drag show. So maybe that was it. Literally no evidence beyond that. I swear to God, in Florida, look at Why up. wouldn't you just attack the drag show? Not <sighs> I don't know. You, suggestions. Yeah, cut the power. <laughs> then attack the drag show. <laughs> but cut it at its source. Don't like do it like outside the building or something. Knock down one of the power lines. You know, it's America. The power is it's it's you know, it's running up by the street. I mean, it's so bizarre. But there's a constant thing that people want to tie opinions they disagree with with real life violence for what purpose to say that those things are provoking you know we talked about a, these new forms of terrorism we've discovered matt remember we had this conversation I don't know. on the podcast about stoastic was that oh, was that what it, yeah stochastic stochastic sorry stochastic. i was a bit yeah, yeah, I, I went stoastic yeah. because i was thinking sarcastic and then it all That's fell apart fine. Fine. the the point is it's bullshit it's not a real thing so we don't ever have to mention <laughs> it again mispronounce it all you want because it's not real but that kind of thing of that we're constantly trying to control the way people talk about things because if we if we let it go it's going to end in violence so what you know if speech is in violence it will actually lead to violence. If it itself isn't violence, which is, of course, people make that argument too, then it will therefore lead to violence and then one can control it. And what are you, crazy? This person said this, like, you know, if that person who shot up the, the you know, um, Q nightclub in, um, in uh, Colorado, it was in Colorado, right? Colorado, Colorado Springs. Springs yeah. mm -hmm. If they had happened upon a, an article and it was in their web browser, it was in their history, that'd be enough for people. Well, that was, that's what caused it. It's cause. It's right. a causal relationship. Having read that piece, could maybe have disagreed with it or said this is probably not in, you know, we have no idea if that person had a personal beef with somebody in the club. There was, they weren't let into the club. There's a million possible things, as we found out in Atlanta and in the Pulse nightclub shooting. But all of this stuff is, and that's the Twitter thing. And this is the Twitter files, quote unquote thing. The most interesting thing, part about it is it just proves what we do know is that in all of these capacities, people are always trying to control speech mm -hmm. and, and not for the not for noble reasons, I don't think. Well, they not, yeah, not necessarily. They'll search for justifications. And I think it's worth spending a little time talking about the, the shadow banning bit, because yeah. I, I believe it was in Barry's thread, the second one. Uh, where she talked about shadow banning and essentially tried to provide a definition of it and seemed to be um, positing that there was a contradiction between Twitter's public statements and whether or not they were actually doing uh, shadow ban. <coughs> um, and there is actually this like semantic beef with respect to what in fact shadow banning is, whether shadow banning is just some kind of general practice of throttling conservatives or some established practice of throttling conservatives. Twitter had a post from, I believe, 2018 18, yeah. um, where they actually talk about shadow banning and say they, you know, the title of it was setting the record straight on shadow banning. Um, and they say, people are asking us if we shadow ban, we do not. But let's start with what is shadow banning? And the definition they use is the best definition we found is this, deliberately making someone's content undiscoverable to everyone mm -hmm. except the person who posted it, unbeknownst to the original poster. Now, yeah, that's it's certainly true that man. someone probably uses that definition of shadow banning, but that is sufficiently strict to make it like seem kind of almost completely unreasonable. Um, and I think that the sentiment that a lot of people have with respect to shadow banning is that in general – Without my knowledge, the content that I'm posting is harder for people to find, not that it is impossible for anyone to find except me. So by defining it in that way, 
Twitter kind of sets up, I think, a bit of uh, a, a sort of uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, I mean, it said straw man. Straw man. Right? Straw man is oh. fine. Mm-hmm. But so he wasn't but, listening. <laughs> sorry. No, no. I'm. I'm. I'm it, it's either way. Like it's Sunday afternoon. The brain is kind of working. But but the thing that I want to point out Art is Kelly's that in the same document, it. in the same document, they actually do describe what they do that would probably qualify as shadow banning in most people's minds. And it was publicly known. We do rank tweets and search results. We do this because Twitter is most useful when it is immediately relevant. These rankings model. These rankings models take many signals into consideration the best organized tweets from for timely relevance we must also address and this is the key thing we must also address bad faith actors who intend to manipulate or detract from healthy conversation that is effectively a blank check to do pretty much whatever they want and they may have any number of parameters that trust and safety are kind of responsible for making decisions on the basis of threats of violence um dead naming or misgendering or any any number of other specifics but as we've seen from the correspondence at the time, like they were not, they were all too happy to find reasons to sanction people, whether or not they were throwing them off the platform. Like you could get a seven day ban and it could happen pretty easily if you had the wrong sorts of ideas. Um, so, you know, to, to the extent. Doesn't it sound like the affirmative theory. action stuff, by the way, when it what says, does? when it says like, you know, we take a bunch of factors to consideration and it's like, uh-huh. actually we're really at the end of the day. It's just, you know, we're looking at this one thing, but they always <laughs> say that thing. It's like, you know, it's, you know, racial preferences are banned. It's like, we are looking at a lot actually. <laughs> and then, you know, you have personality tests for Asians at Harvard. You know, I think there's, there's, there's these things that you know what they're looking for, right? There's a lot something. of things. There's yeah. something to that, uh, Moynihan in, in like, uh, trying to understand the reaction, including of people who, I have living memory of respecting them in other contexts who mm. reacted to this uh, and had continued too. to react to this in a way of like, <clears throat> well, I mean, uh, it's obvious that trolls and people who were bad actors on the platform were getting uh, their reach throttled. And this is not a big deal. And this is why I always focus on, if not learn the pronunciation of Jay Bhattacharya, um, is that there's no evidence that he's a troll or a bad actor on the platform. The only evidence that I could see is that he's pretty forceful about making his arguments, which <laughs> historically have been along the lines of as soon as we were anywhere, uh, you know, a few months into the pandemic is like, let's protect the olds. Let's let the kids go to school. Uh, I'm going to reduce yeah. everything down to that. But that's more or less it where he was right. And the preponderance of a lot of people in the media and at least a lot of people in in the science were in a different uh, position. So, but like there is that blank check idea exists also in the mind of the critics who are fine with this and who are poo pooing everything that comes out of just like I roll Barry Weiss, I roll uh, Matt Taibbi. Oh my God, it's the intellectual dark web. This is like a, like like a default ridiculous, and they're not tech specialists, which they're not. Um, they haven't been they didn't cover that in real time in 2018 when Twitter tried to, uh, you know, straw man the definition of shadow ban while admitting that they're doing something to uh, to throttle the voice of certain people. But that interpretive blank slate is important because it it continues to obtain as people react to this stuff um, and pretend like we all knew it was like this forever. Um, I encourage people I've done this and I'll talk about it. Uh, later when I'm finished doing it 
of looking at one's Twitter analytics o- over time and see inflection points where like shit just <laughs> obviously changes. And that obvious change, who knows what it is? Uh, I, I recommend if people haven't been uh, following her uh, historically or uh, even recently, Alice from Queens uh, has been really interesting about this because she said, I think about nine months ago, 10 months ago, um, she just noticed that after a long time of going in the same direction, all of the available analytics on her Twitter feed, it flatlined everywhere, followers, impressions or whatever. And she maintained Something was weird. Someone put their thumb on a scale or the algorithm changed. But like, it's definitely different now it's because something, some, yeah. something happened. And when she yeah. said that originally, nine months ago, everyone's like, ha, ha, ha. You just are like a, are in denial about how your traffic sucks. You're stupid, right? More yeah. or less. Um, yeah. And denying and, and also that she was a conspiracy theorist. And now when she came back eight months, nine months later, um, in reaction to what we've learned now from all caps Twitter files. Um, she's like, I'm waiting for my apology. Um, uh, while, you know, not saying necessarily that's an individual's fingerprints on this, just that shit changed and it affected uh, the reach. Um, and uh, it's amazing to watch all the same people who are calling her a conspiracy theorist nine months ago saying everybody knew it now. But there's you, you not said anything in the it, that's been reported yet that affirms that no. she was definitely having her account or that you were definitely correct. But it, ma- but it makes it more plausible. It makes I mean, it's, it's, it, it, I would be absolutely shocked if anyone gave a shit about my account. And I, yeah. and I, I certainly, <laughs> I actually, un, I actually unfollowed I you. So that might've been part of it. Um, but you know, Matt, you said something that I think is interesting when they, they talk about, well, you know, these people that are reporting at their IDW, which good Lord, does people still use that? No, Interna- it was used once. Yeah. It was one time. These are intellectual dark web people that are actually reporting this very important story. It's like, now, now do you realize what everybody else feels like when they open the New York Times? You think all those people don't agree on every political issue when they're reporting everything in the New York Times from sports Except for to Peter Baker? People with, mad at Peter Baker today for that. I what for not cro- for not crossing the or for crossing the picket line kind of thing on the uh, thing. He did well, good a, for him. Uh, he did a feature today, recording on Sunday of about mm-hmm. uh, or yesterday about Elon Musk's politics and whether they're really oh knowable. like he's not conservative um, and, kind of and thing. And yeah. people were yeah. like absolutely like apoplectic. Yeah, d- but you're not. There's there are right Elon answers, Matt, and there are wrong answers. Well, yeah. Elon saw that and decided that he would uh, tweet out that his pronouns are prosecute Fauci today. I, so, I, I speaking I, of unfollow, unfollow I, Elon. Everyone, yeah, that's an, that's an unfollow for me. Just it's enough. Um, it's enough. Okay, cool. You're going to see cool. his tweets. Yeah, you're not great. gonna not see it. They're gonna come up. They're gonna cool. Great, cool. Yeah, they're gonna come up. Prosecute Fauci. Yeah. No, it's it's kind of kind of ridiculous. Um, no, all this. The thing about it is like that is the one thing that I, I find hilarious. All these responses that um, that you can't trust these people because these people are political actors or they have a political point of view, um, unlike everybody else in in the media. But the 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 funny thing about it is that it reminds me a lot of this. Do you remember the, the, the debate? And I'm using that ver- term very charitably that there was a debate about this, about punching Nazis. Do you remember this? Punch a Nazi? Yeah. That was a, that was a thing. And a few people, myself included, said, I don't like Nazis. I like, I don't mind seeing them punched. But here's the problem is that you have an expansion, you know, this elastic definition and, and Nazi becomes very, expansive if people if people want it to be this is what you have here i mean these people that are that have 
you know, the beginning of the Bolshevik revolution, the counter-revolutionaries were people on the other side of the issue. They were the, the whites, they were royalists, they were, you know, um, various uh, socialist revolutionaries, etc. And then ultimately, after the Soviets take power, those um, counter-revolutionaries are members of the own party. They're members of a different faction within the own party. And that's what I see with this stuff. You know, like, this is, you know, disinformation. This is bad information. These are bad actors. It's like, I'm worried about this. And again, they can do whatever they want. Not saying that they can't. But if we're going to be honest about whether we think this is a good thing or a bad thing, those definitions become very elastic. And it's like when somebody has control of this, they end up, you know, it's kind of like when you look at the AOCs of the world, they spend most of their time hating on, you know, uh, the cinemas and the uh, centrist uh, Democrats. They give a shit about people on the right because those are so people are so transparently bad that they're shooting within the tent. And right. when you have this expansion all the time of who the bad actors are, it's, there's no, there's no definition, right? If it's Jay Bhattacharya in the, in the COVID context, it's going to be somebody else in the January 6th context. It's going to be somebody else in, you know, whatever next controversy we're trying to prevent people from hearing bad opinions. And this, I think, is where you always have to end because it's taken as kind of a given and it shouldn't be, is that when you are talking about preventing people from seeing these things, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to make sure that dumb people don't assimilate bad information and you're the one who's going to adjudicate what, what is good and bad and what is dumb and what people can handle? Are you just going to push it to a different platform and then it's fine? It's just your platform that you're upset about? Or is it you're worried about the, the actual election and people coming up with bad information via your platform? You feel some sort of guilt about it. But, but here is the weird thing about this. This stuff, as I pointed out the other day, and I don't know if it was on Megan's show or on our, our subscriber-only podcast. Donald Trump is kicked off of Twitter. He's been invited to come back, but he's not going to do it because he's on his own truth social now. If he truths, <laughs> I find it very hard to say that, <laughs> tweets on that other platform something, um, nobody is getting banned for screenshotting and posting on Twitter, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. You can find this information on Twitter. What are you doing if not kind of vamping and trying to say, look, we're doing the right thing. We're good people. You know that people are going to hear that information. You know if it's relevant and important, it's the president of the United States or somebody running for president. They should hear that information. But you're worried, what, they're going to be swayed by it? There would have been no January 6th without Twitter? Or, or what? Without the internet? We have to get rid of communications, forms of communication? No. I think the the, the problem may be bigger than what people are attributing the solution to saying we must prevent this information because therefore people will be, you know, otherwise fine. I think they make the mistake in thinking that things were previously fine. This is what they think. I don't think this is true. You know, in the nineties and the eighties it was fine. And then all of a sudden these bad people got access to information. Now the dummies can trade dumb information. We have to prevent that. I don't like the feeling of that at all. I really don't. Camille, can I ask you, as someone who is way more fluent in tech bro universe and way mm. more just sophisticated about this kind of stuff, um, and also kind of anarchistic, right? So what did so far for you um, strike you as the most significant in the Twitter files? Like what, like, like what was the flashing red light or what was like the thing you didn't know or just like what was a, a, a pop up in your brain about the files themselves rather than let's say the reaction to them. The thing I didn't know 
I'm, See, I'm not I sure. I phrase it like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. I mean, I'm just. I'm. I'm. I'm wondering. Like, what didn't I know? I, I certainly yeah. hadn't seen the exact correspondence that was going on, but it all jived with my expectations. Um. The the. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm very surprised by any of it. I think we saw reporting that suggested that the government was talking to different social media companies that they were flagging content as potentially bad. Um. And we could imagine what kinds of conversations were happening on the internal slack amongst people who generally give money to one particular political party who seem to in their rules even seem to suggest that they have particular um ideological elite allegiances um and had admitted publicly that there have been times when uh their uh kind of trust and safety efforts seem to be hitting at least landing in ways that one might not regard as equitable to use a very charged word. So none of that is really startling or surprising to me. Um, I think the fact that there happened to be some actual back and forth about it, that there were at least a few people that raised concerns. Um, and I think we saw that actually in the most recent dispatch from Michael Schellenberger, uh, a, a more junior employer employee saying, Hey, this may not be a popular pers perspective to express here. But it seems to me that we're getting into the land of just making arbitrary decisions about who we can ban and who we can't. And I think this was in response to getting rid of Matt Gates when they were talking about banning him from the platform as well. And there seemed to be a pretty candid admission that the basis for the ban was not really something that could be derived from the rules that they have in place at all. Um, and they seem to be preparing for any number of other potential potentialities where they might be banning other heads of state or currently serving government officials from the platform. And they seem to know in the moment that this was consequential, that this seemed to be uh, sort of setting a precedent. And did they you know, ban Matt Gates, Camille? They did not. No, they didn't. Um, but but there was, yeah, they were talking about, about it. it. Yeah. And was there one tweet in which they identified again, because I can't get my not way clear. through these tweets, these tweets no. to figure anything out. <laughs> No, not not clear to me. <laughs> if you could print case. out the Twitter the, files, the sense, the sense was <laughs> well, to, you can publish it to a website and edit it. Great, fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not clear, and I think that the sensibility was that this is related to January sixth stuff and the just general conversation there. That in general, uh, that a commitment to the conspiracy theory with respect to election fraud and a stolen election was inherently provocative and dangerous, um, and. Matt Gates uh, was certainly the sort of actor who would have been doing that kind of thing. So one imagines. I mean, you imagine the avalanche that happens then when you start banning shithead politicians like Matt Gates. And is there anyone that looks like you want to punch them in the face more than Matt Gates? I can't figure out in Congress. <laughs> yeah, Paul, who Paul Gosar. Paul oh, Paul Gosar is pretty yeah. bad too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they, 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 there's a lot of right people who deserve face. punches. Um, I couldn't post that on Twitter because I think it would be a call to violence. But. Um, when you see these people and they come out and they say bad political ideas, they're not, they're not, you know, posting child pornography for Christ's sake, bad political ideas. And you ban them because this, or you, you provoke a conversation about banning them and people are having a serious internal comms about banning a sitting elected member of Congress. I mean, imagine when you start doing that, um, this is the problem with the Trump stuff too. What it, takes for other people to be banned bad ideas okay 
dangerous ideas. I mean, the number of people that have said, I don't believe that the election was real or that it was stolen versus the number of people that actually went into the Capitol that day. Um, Good Lord. I mean, what is the math that you actually do to figure out if this is Mm -hmm. actually dangerous? And if that is actually what's precipitating it, conversation. I mean, again, we're back to the things that speech itself is what provokes violent behaviors. Therefore, we have to curtail speech. I, I think that's wild that we're getting again to this point. I guess the, the, the difference in kind of communication platforms is going to inevitably force this conversation. But imagine the number of bad political views, uh, you know, that you can find in Congress. One that say they're dangerous political views. I mean, if somebody is saying to me that we should stop vape companies from selling vapes, I think that's dangerous. Because I think it keeps people on cigarettes, which actually kills them, and vaping doesn't. Is that a dangerous view? I mean, I don't know. I don't know how they quantify these things. Because you can really start getting, again, this elasticity of definition and debate. And you also get, like, um, if, here is a disfavored population. Just, like, we know that the corner of ultra-MAGA, right? Yeah. Uh, Matt, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, maybe more Paul Gosar. Um, we know that that corner is just kind of filled with psychos. And to be clear, I think it kind of is. I wouldn't use the word psychos because, you know, we don't want to stick close. anybody. <laughs> but uh, no, I think they're awful people. I think that there are other awful pockets, uh, not necessarily in the Republican Party, that are also uh, in Congress. But um, here's a dumb example. So um, we all think that it's good that we no longer ban black people from major league baseball. Speak for yourself, Matt Welch. Yes. Right. I can think of a lot of white players who probably disagree with that. Uh, (laughs) White players in triple a ball, like God damn it. Entire starting uh, lineup of the Philadelphia Phillies. uh, uh, Which is kind of strange. Um, But uh, who were some of the most influential agitators at the time at a, at a key time in international and uh, American domestic relations for breaking the color barrier in sports communists yeah <laughs> like, like it was like communist newspapers in uh, in in the united states that were agitating the hardest to break mm-hmm. the color barrier you could make an argument um uh, it would run afoul of the first amendment um so it would lose but uh, people were trying to make similar arguments in the 40s like we have to stop these voices these communist voices they might well be aligning and many of them did with an international communist conspiracy that wished us ill um and Particularly yeah, the newspaper the daily worker which was a a mouthpiece of fucking the organ it was cpusa which was a a appendage of the the communist party in moscow and I am I am grateful that that the Daily Worker uh, agitated for Jackie Robinson. Why the hell not? It added to the conversation, and we don't ban newspapers in this country. And also, racism is bad, and we shouldn't have had a ban. And occasionally, you want there to be conversations happening from all different sources, so that it shakes up the snow globe enough, so that something new might happen. Um, and that feeling or insight is just been like not vanishing but it's just been leaking and getting smaller and smaller particularly in the industries that once for a long time um were the ones who would normally come up with that conclusion mccarthyism and this is something that was always apparent but you needed some sort of tangible example for people to realize that mccarthyism is not a conservative instinct it is a political instinct Mm. it's a human instinct in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. There are so many parallels between McCarthyism then and McCarthyism now. And one of these that I've been talking about 
and I'm almost done with something I'm doing on this of Rachel Maddow's podcast, um, which is about, you know, radical right wing groups that basically barely existed in the 1940s, um, trying to overthrow the government, getting arrested. There's like 16 people, 17 people on the Christian front, which is wildly overstated in this podcast, but whatever. And she's saying, well, you know, these people, like they're trying to overthrow the government. They want a different, undemocratic system. And she, of course, all the language of today is used in this podcast about the 40s, about misinformation. And, you know, it's like all of the stuff from Russiagate that she was, she was priming that pump for five years and, you know, nothing came of it. So now she's going back to in, in history to say, well, see, it, it happened here. All of the things that she's talking about, all of them. There's a couple of guys in Congress, right, who get mixed up. They're America first guys. They're non-interventionists. They don't want to be involved in World War II. They get mixed up with guys like George Virick, uh, who is the father, by the way, of the conservative philosopher Peter Virick. I don't think it's even mentioned in her thing. But, you know, this guy's a pro-Nazi guy. He was anti-war in World War One. He'd been anti-war for a very long time, ends up going to jail, um, actually jailed during during World War uh, Two, um, for basically being an, being an agent of the enemy. And she makes this argument, right, about this is this is where these people. She's not saying they shouldn't be in jail. She's not making any conversation, any conversation at all about about freedom of speech, because there is a bigger conspiracy, noticeably, quantifiably bigger conspiracy that reaches very deep into into government, very deep, and that is the communist conspiracy, which is now laughed at. Because of so many years of conditioning people into thinking that every sort of sense of that is McCarthyist, McCarthy's madness, it is not. There were many, many spies in the State Department. There were journalist spies. There were spies that were very close to presidents. There were spies, as a matter of fact, that are mentioned. One who's barely mentioned in Rachel Maddow's uh, piece is someone who's prosecuting and going after these people in Congress was a congressman from Lower East Side. He's the only person we know to be serving and ever served in Congress who was an agent of a foreign power as a spy. He was a Soviet spy. Not mentioned. The Soviet spy who's who's trying to unravel these fascists, you know, he is serving on behalf of the Kremlin, right? So this is a thing that happens all the time. And we know in the past, to your, to your point about the Daily Worker and about how they agitated for Jackie Robinson, they, you know, uh, were very upset about Gone with the Wind. I mean, they did all this sort of racial <laughs> stuff you'd imagine. Uh, by the way, I've talked about this in a previous episode. The man who reviewed Gone with the Wind positively was fired, a guy named Howard Rushmore, uh, for giving it a positive review, which they, they redid the review, and he became a McCarthyite, uh, a psychotic, and he became the editor of Confidential Magazine, the celebrity gossip magazine. And then he murdered uh, his girlfriend and shot himself in the back of a cab in the Upper West Side, but that's a long story. Yeah. Um, but this kind of stuff sounds like a very when bad you, night for him, actually. It was a bad night. He was just having yeah. a tough night. But when you look at this stuff, this idea of the, these people are saying things that are trying to provoke revolution mm-hmm. January 6th, right? They're trying to provoke dissension. They're trying to, you know, to, to, to like, this is the thing that Mano is constantly talking about in her thing. Um, in what Marxists would call heightening the contradictions where they're trying to, to create chaos. And those are people that were working on behalf of the Soviet Union. And I'll tell you what, a lot of the people that I would say 90% of the people that came uh, before uh, uh, the committee uh, were actually communists um, and themselves Stalinists at that time. Almost all of them. I mean, this is really difficult to comprehend for people. But do you want that? You hate that. You hate it in history. 
You talk about protecting the civil liberties of people who are working on behalf of a foreign power who wants to overthrow the established order of the United States. It's part of their goals. That's what the common turn is, the Communist International, to spread revolution everywhere, including the United States. It wasn't going to happen, much in the same way that January 6th wasn't going to overthrow the election. But, you know, we could use the exact same logic and say this stuff was totally justified. The actions were totally justified. So I think of these things always in the context of history. If you've denounced McCarthyism in the past, attacking people for having fringe views, does it apply in two directions? Obviously not. Obviously not. Uh, I'm some, glad you someone brought, mentioned that I was using an Opal C1 webcam up in the comments. That's true. I am. Good wow, nice job. Some smart, smart person. Yeah. Um, How are they doing in the another, comments? I can't open it. Well, yeah, there was another question there about um, the the James Baker, who was a, a former intelligence official and who turns out was working at Twitter and had some responsibility for handing yeah. over some of these files and reportedly, uh, per Elon, um, had deleted some stuff or at least not shared certain things. He selectively decided what to include in some of those dispatches. And as a result, um, was quickly terminated. It seems that to the extent Elon knew about this, um, there was a tweet about it before the acquisition, but it might have actually really registered who this person was as a result of um, uh, Taibe and Barry doing their reporting and having this kind of aha moment where they discovered precisely who this gentleman is. Um, but it's not clear exactly what he might have been obfuscating or trying to hide um, when actually handing files over. If anything, um, again, thus, thus far, well, Elon says yeah. he was. Um, and again, I don't know. Prove us, it. So Let's prove it. Yeah. We actually have to see it in the yeah. reporting. It ought to be there. Um, so, you know, that's the hard thing about all this, Camille, is that we, we, we have to take his word for it. We have to take yeah. a lot of these people's word for it. We're not, it's not an open archive that everybody has access to. Right, yeah. right. There should it be. I mean, that's some, not how reporting works. Although there are some questions about the level of access um, that is currently available, and he has made some commitments to release um, certain things publicly, because Jack has said as well, great, if you want to make Dorsey. this stuff public, Jack Dorsey, the former CEO of Twitter, um, who was very supportive of Elon. Current Maharishi. Acquiring the company. <laughs> um, had said, hey, Elon, why don't you just make this stuff publicly available? And a number of other journalists have said as well, hey, I would like some Twitter files also so that I can take a look at what's going on there. Um and we offered on. you Hunter, Hunter Biden's uh, hard drive, and you were like, I don't know. They, that's actually another point that we should actually talk about, because there have been people who've suggested, look, we didn't have the files. We just didn't have Hunter Biden's laptop until 2001, so we couldn't look into it to tell you whether or not it was legit. Um, but for the most part, it seemed like you didn't really want to. Um, but I'm wondering, I mean, obviously, we don't know much about the Baker situation just yet, but is... Is that something that's worth looking more closely at? Is, is there anything else that's of interest? I saw some reporting about the Michelle Obama of it all and other um, public officials who were after January 6th saying publicly and apparently some of them reaching out to various Twitter people privately that we should get Donald Trump off the platform or at least saying more broadly, now is the time for social media companies to step up and do what's right. I mean, those are public statements. And Michelle Obama was never elected to anything. Like as a private citizen, Michelle Obama can certainly appeal mm -hmm. to Twitter or anyone else to throw Donald Trump off of the internet, um, to throw him off of Facebook. It's one of the perks of throw being famous. I mean, yeah. 
you you can say yeah. that whether or not they yeah. do it is another thing is is that something that ought to be disconcerting is that something that she ought to avoid doing given her position of prominence no I think it's I, fair I, for I someone to it's fair for someone says. to feel that she shouldn't say those things but she can say those things and then it's not a violation of anyone's constitution if the elton john also, show is sold out michelle obama can call up and get tickets <laughs> Michelle Obama. You have a lot of extra power when you're Michelle Obama, right? And yeah, I mean, it would be a very, very strange person that didn't want to wield that power. I would say that's a wrong instinct and it's a wrong way of using it, but there's nothing particularly pernicious about it. It's just the way the world works. And that's unfortunate, but it's always the case. It's always the case. I mean, uh, uh, Moynihan and I were in a, uh, a building in um, near Haifa, Haifa in, uh, in uh, Tel Aviv. Uh, the Shimon uh, Perez, like a peace and innovation center is very, very confusing place. Um, there's a door going into like a closet or a room or a research facility. Uh, so it was, was it the Mark Rich door. <laughs> w- was it? I didn't even see that. Was there a Mark Rich yeah. plaque on a door? And it's like, yeah, yeah. people um, will have people. influence and they will try yeah. to use it to get out of bad circumstances. The Jim Baker stuff, I think it's a classic of... Uh, the perils of um, uh, dot connecting, um, mm-hmm. which is to say there might be dots that are worth connecting. And it's certainly in- interesting that he showed up, as Taibi said, zealot like in a lot of moments <laughs> of, uh, of very strong import and intrigue in the last five, six years in American public life, uh, having to do with. The steel dossier in this direction, and then he's over Twitter doing this and that and the other. It sounds weird, and his name um, is the same name as the former Secretary of State and the yeah, it's very confusing. Yeah. So, like, yeah, everyone has a lot of different associations <laughs> yeah. with the name Jim Baker. Would be but, would like, be more interesting. Sammy Faye had been working at at, at Twitter. <laughs> I, we all presume that <laughs> we just do. Yeah. Um, but like, the, there's a species of of uh, of uh, thinkers. The wrong word. A person who says things in public. Um, who that is proof we've just got the proof mm-hmm. because there's a wall and there's now three dots on it with jim baker's name in it see mike mm-hmm. is dropped and dude yeah. the mic is not dropped it's like i would i look forward to seeing actual reporting on jim baker uh of which i haven't seen, could any. Be, I've seen it a could be, it could be very interesting but a couple of know. small tweet threads it could be it could be worse than i could ever imagine yeah and i kind of look forward to it because that's fun and interesting yeah um, or it could and, be nothing at all and this is the thing that people have to understand and i think everybody does understand it but there's always this you know uh casablanca like shock and horror of discover gambling i mean it, 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 it people who are rich um and people who are powerful and people who are connected to the FBI, the CIA, whatever it might be. That's why every, you know, it's why it's very expensive to buy a house in DC because there's a lot of money in DC. There shouldn't be a lot of money in DC in the way that you would think, but there's a lot of money in DC. There's a lot of lobbyists in DC and rich people get access to things. There's no way of ever stopping it. You know, the same thing is true in Cuba. Same thing is true in the Soviet Union. The same thing is true in any culture on earth. People with money and power get close to things. And I imagine that people who ask the question uh, actually know the answer when they're like, why are all these people hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein? I, I have a pretty good idea of why. Because he's really fucking rich. And that's why people hang out with him. Seriously, that's it. There's nothing more. I didn't know. What you're like, no, like, do you yeah. know that he, yeah. the things that he's, even better. I'm sure there's a lot of people who said that too. Bought but for the most part, seat on the plane to his island sounds fine. It, it, it would be very hard to get me off that plane. I'm, just I'm like, wait, where's it going? 
I have an island. What's on that island? I'm sorry. What'd you say? You saying I can come, but I don't have any money. Oh, I get for free. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. That sounds good. I'll see what happens when I'm there. And then, like, you're on a plane with Alan Dershowitz, you know, 20 minutes later. <laughs> shirt cocking. Yeah. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, hi, hello. It's great. You know? Yeah. But if anything was Sounds unseemly, hot. anything unseemly was happening there, you would have said, no, this is wrong. And you would have, you would have left. Define unseemly, Camille. Yeah. Illegal. Bad. I, well, illegal. Yeah. Well, you know, stop snitching, to be honest. But I, <laughs> I wouldn't know what I'm there for the sun and the surf. Yeah. I don't know what's happening in the Jelaine Maxwell suite. I'm just going for a swim. Noted yeah. surfer Michael C. Moynihan. Very <laughs> quite good. Quite yeah, good. I don't quite doubt good. that for a second. I want to, Do you do Ollie's in surfing? I think that's what I was doing. I, <laughs> I want to register in case it doesn't come up. Um my uh, distaste for a phrase that has been used, uh, and I haven't looked at the uh, internet today, thank God, but by um, Elon Musk, by Tom Fitton, who's still with us, um, uh, a formerly pretty interesting kind of uh, open the files type of guy who turned into um, a real culture warrior, uh, MAGA type, um, Glenn Greenwald, um, a bunch of others, even Matt Taibbi, I think on the Substack, used the phrase to describe what Twitter did in 2020 as election interference. And I'm raising that because I said the same thing on MSNBC about Facebook, raised the same objection. And I realized that I'm probably um, a literalist, annoying uh, asshole wearing a Mbappe uh, jersey uh, as we're sitting here and, uh, and, and talking. So there's a lot of things wrong with me. Um, but also interference. The Hanson shirt. Is a word that Bob. has that has meanings that are important, especially if we're talking about elections, and to be so loose and free, especially among people who had otherwise spent, I don't know, the last five years absolutely pillorying those who were trotting the election interference critique about Facebook and Russia and, and Donald Trump in 2016, suddenly using that phrase now to talk about what Twitter did and did not do in 2020. Um Again, literalism, but I went to the poll, I voted. Twitter had nothing to fucking do with it. The word interference means hinder, get in between of, change. When, like, uh, I was with uh, my, actually, my daughter was down here at my computer, which is new. Um, and uh, no, actually, it was at the ATM today. Um, and uh, we were getting money out, and it was making this kind of sounds. And she said, What is that? And I said, That's sonic interference, like a cell phone thing, you know, when it's sort of like, um, uh, cutting in between uh, an, a speaker somewhere and it kind of it creates interference. You can't hear the normal sound or you can't hear the way things normally are because there's interference. Whatever Twitter did uh, in 2020 and Elon Musk said very stupidly that um, that Twitter banning Trump um, on January 6th or 7th, whenever it happened, according to the Schellenberger files, um, that uh, that was uh, election interference. It was 2021. What so election? any sense but uh but in general like the twitter thumbing the scale even it's bad to thumb a scale and you can you can criticize that but to characterize that as interference is a completely different thing and it's distressing to see people everyone's um, thumbing the scale the whole point of politics is thumb the scale that's what it I mean, is it's, it, it's what politics is exercise. it's scale like i mean you go and and you know you redraw a district to thumb the scale to change the outcome of the election. If you are trying to get people to get to the polls by driving a, 
uh, as the British would call them, I, which I have my favorite thing, a people mover, like a big van and full of them full of people to bring them to the election. You're telling this guy, you're trying to get people not to vote, trick them into thinking it's the wrong. That's the same thing. You know, it's not, it's not as if, cause I, I, you know what? Look, I don't think this stuff is good. You don't misunderstand me. But I've never gone and interviewed somebody at a polling place and said, if they only had read this other article, none of this would be happening. And this person would not be casting a vote in the way that they did. The assumption is that American voters are much more engaged than they are. They're, 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 this is following less of an instinct in more of a policy platform. If you are that engaged, that information is going to get to you. Twitter is not going to prevent you if you're engaged enough to be moved by you know, this tweet or that article or that bit of information, whatever it is, there is plenty of suggestion to me that those people will find that information. Um, you know, the New York Times, which it used to be, you know, people would say the same thing about the Times, the Wall Street Journal, whatever. They wouldn't cover particular things. Was that election interference? Mm-hmm. They're not covering this because this looks bad on Bill Clinton. That was the rap all through the 90s. You know, what the American Spectator and Bob Tyrrell used to do, no one's covering these very, very important stories, which is why Clinton walks away in 98 after having his ass handed to him in 94. By the way, Steve Kornacki has a very good uh, podcast, which I've just started listening to about 94 called Revolution. You should listen to it. But if that happens in 94 and 98, they, Democrats walk away with it. And he wins handily in 96 against a very weak candidate. The argument then was that, you know, if only the, the, the media had not been overwhelmed by left-wing people, then Bill mm-hmm. Clinton wouldn't have won. Nonsense. Mm-hmm. We found out every so much about Man- Monica Lewinsky and what happened right after. Won by a landslide. <laughs> it's, it's never... You assume that you know mid- how people respond. It's the only midterm ever, really, where yeah. like, like the president got a high five. And it was after yes. impeachment and Monica Lewinsky. Yeah. After getting a blowjob from a 20-year-old intern. Everyone's like, you know what? Good dude. Love him. Yeah, America was surprised by that. Bill Bennett was surprised. I didn't see it coming either. It was like 20-year-old 20, 20 blowjob interns. And then we're surprised about the Jeffrey Epstein shit? Come on, man. America loves it. I did see Monica Lewinsky was tweeting what, last week, I think it was, promoting the book by the two uh, race yeah. to dinner women. Yeah, Sarah um, Rayo. The title yeah. of that book is something like White Women why women be racist and they, they yeah. crime. They, they need yeah. to stop it. And Monica Ooh, Lewinsky, got some tears. This is the yeah. best book and everyone ought to read it. Um, it's, it's good to know. That Monica By the way, isn't her shit white tears? Race relations. They talk um, about, that's the whole thing is about white tears and it's on the cover of the book, right? Yeah. Monica purpose? Lewinsky. Wasn't she doing some white tears? She was crying a bit after like She's how she was treated. How to redirect the tear, right? So it goes in oh. this direction, right? So you're using. Got it. It's not just like um, because what you could say is that like yeah, you're a rich girl who was a white house intern and you hooked up with the president. Other people have it a lot harder. Like that's the kind of check, that's how the formulation goes. Is yeah, exactly. Check yeah. your privilege. You have you, to bag the president. Check your privilage. Yeah, some people have to give blowjobs to, to poor you. old men. <laughs> <laughs> oh, loving the. Oh, I'm man. glad that you can get class privilege into like a blowjob. Yeah, yeah. Class of course, is everywhere. White supremacy yeah. never sleeps, Matt. Wells. White supremacy <laughs> never sleeps about America. Yeah. Um, and you could probably uh, mix in Vernon Jordan there because he was the, you remember, he was the one trying to get Monica right. a job at uh, L'Oreal or a, a cosmetics company. Yeah, she's yeah, trying to help, help a guy. There's a joke I want to yeah. say, but 
because we're doing this live on Twitch, I won't say it because I don't. I mean, because you can't edit it out. It might be too much. It might be too much. But I say a joke. There's only say no, Camille. That's too much. There's only one way to find out. There's one way to find out. (laughs) And by the way, it's too much. Lie. (laughs) It's too much. It's, it's probably too much. Yeah. Um, uh, so, Matt, you were down um, at the Times Building this past week, weren't you? Oh, when yeah, they had their fun. epic, their epic protest, historic. Uh, it they, was historic, described. I think in the last forty years, they've never had a mass protest like this, a mass walkout um, as part of their negotiations. Now, granted, this was scheduled to last the day. It was from midnight mm-hmm. to midnight, if I'm not mistaken, um, and. It was only at like 1 p.m. that they decided we're all going to go outside and NHJ is going to come over and give a talk. Miss Nicole Hannah-Jones, which is good because it's not like she's writing stuff most of the time, but she has like another job, maybe several jobs. Uh, What was that like for you, Matt? How what did you see on the ground? Um, Did it did it did it move you? I would like to say that, uh, the, you know, I did some really crucial reporting there, but I yeah. walked by and took some <laughs> pictures and giggled and then went home. Uh, I was in the neighborhood. Well, what, what uh, did you see a, during No, your, I saw there was about, uh, there was about a uh, hundred people, 75 people outside and it was a very festive atmosphere. They're having a fun time being mm-hmm. outside with their colleagues. Were there um, drums? No, but they had the large, and this is on the uh, Substack uh, yeah. uh, post for this weekend. But they had a large I- inflatable rat, as mm-hmm. you do, like a six, a six, seven foot tall rat. Um, yeah. This is a, a common thing in New York. Maybe it's another any union as well. protest. Yeah, any union protest, you get like this red eyed, horrifying rat uh, out in front of the New York Times, and uh, and people were really excited and and having uh, a good time. I found out later on uh, reading some of the reporting of it. And this uh, filled me with chagrin, uh, although it's, you know, free people acting in their own free uh, way. So, um, you know, um, they, they're free to do it. But that Donald McNeil was there, the guy who was fired from the New York Times because in, in, in I think, in a really unjust way and was not represented well by his union mm-hmm. and who had been uh, foundational to the formation or the strengthening of that union over time right up until the point where um, the dagger was plunged into his ribs by, I think, Nicole Holland Jones and, and her allies there over his use of the N-word in a, um, in a class trip thing in South America somewhere. And the real in, in context, yeah. In context, um, n- not at all. Yeah, like repeating something. It was, it was, a, it was the use uh, mentioned distinction or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, his, and so he was screwed over after working there for 45 years and uh, being a Pulitzer Prize uh, shortlister on several occasions and leading their COVID year. He was fired. Yeah. In the literal year that he was fired. Um, And, uh, and he showed up in support and said, yeah, you know, NHJ gave a really great speech and, and that's awesome. And again, Mm. it's up to him. It's up to him. He said that to you. No, he said that uh, to a reporter who was there actually doing reporter reporting instead of taking pictures and giggling. Um, so, uh, that was a bit disappointing because, uh, you know, uh, I, private sector unions have fun is, is my, my feeling or, you know, go with God, do whatever you're doing. You're not, you're not taking my money. Um, and, uh, and that's fine. I think public sector unions are typically pernicious from my point of view. Well, keep in mind, Matt, some, some of those places that they force you to join the union, um, if you want to retain employment and then they extract the dues from you that way. So it's not always, I I, I agree, you know, the private sector union thing, but you know, Donald McNeil, that's, that's surprising. I mean, it is surprising. He's, 
I don't know. I guess he's forgiven, but um, he was, he was, I, <laughs> I never said this in the past, but he was always notoriously an unpleasant person. So yeah, it seemed, he seemed like a, a, an irascible yeah. old newspaper guy mm-hmm. um, and it probably rubbed people wrong. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we certainly have uh, talked about him, written about him in the past before and, and, uh, and please consult it. Um, but there is the the discussion of it, including by New York Times people and including by people who wanted to on for one day sympathize with them. It's like, you know what? I'm not I'm not going to use Wordle all day long for this yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, in solidarity. <laughs> yeah. There's nobody. Such... Nobody died in Ukraine that day because uh, you were using uh, Wordle. You didn't use it. And everyone's like the world was at peace. In harmony. Such a a like <laughs> uh, like a role playing exercise at this. It's a one day. It's a one day walkout. Who knows yeah. what what impact it's going to have? Um, but uh, you get this feeling of this late breaking the last five ten years sudden unionization effort at uh, institutions of of uh, kind of elite liberalism at newspapers yeah, yeah, and media yeah. and stuff. Exactly. Um, I'm sorry. I I, I shouldn't. But it makes me laugh a lot. Like there's the 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 transparent. Like uh, occasionally you will find someone who is like old, try and true union person, and they're and they know the history and they're passionate about it. And again, great, go with God. Um, you see a lot of thirty one year olds um, who really think that they're being Norma Ray, and it's absolutely hilarious. The union man. Can I t- talk about something that's that is completely unrelated? I want yeah, Camille's, Camille's opinion on this. Yeah, I had to be in Midtown. Um, I was close. It was the day of the the big strike, uh, where the um, the all the factories shut down because the uh, people in the arts page decided not to write <laughs> about race relations and Urkel uh, wow. for just for an afternoon. And it was hard for us. It was hard for all of us. But I was in there. I didn't. I avoided it. So I went up. I was on. 52nd, I think, and I walked by the Neil Simon Theater, and I tend not to ever go to Midtown. And I, I didn't realize at the Neil Simon Theater, there is a play. It's a musical, and I would like to go to this if anyone has connections and will send me some tickets for this. Um, send the three of us some tickets for this. There's a musical called MJ, a celebration oh. of the like of life of Michael Jackson in song. Oh. Um, I don't think they do the molestation on stage, but they do the dancing <laughs> and they do the singing. The producer is a friend of mine. Oh, is it? Is he? Is she? she? Wow. Yeah, that is sexy. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. A friend of wow. a friend of reason. No, I was thinking only a only a man could be so gross as to paper over the horrible legacy of Michael Jackson and his molestation. And uh, to do a show called Blanket. <laughs> but I'm like, I couldn't believe it. I walked by. I was like, holy shit. It's like, is the next block? Is Cosby huge. on the next block? R. Kelly? <laughs> you don't pay attention to Broadway, man. Even no, I don't. Do. Um, uh, no, yeah. It's, uh, it's been, Has it it's been popular? A, yeah. It's been uh, like critically acclaimed, popular. It's great. Uh, from what I understand. It's been out for a year, year and a half. So, I mean, I, I would, How I mean, is that I possible? Like I would like to see this. That would go. Uh, I mean... The fifth does musical. Let's let's. I love it. it. I love I mean, it. I need, obviously, I need to go and you know style like first class and front <laughs> yeah. seats and all that good stuff. It should like helicopter. Bring me, bring me in the way that you bring in, um, you know, other VIPs like right like Latoya starts right before it starts <laughs> after everyone else is seated, so they could be like the applause. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Take my seat in the front. Is that Tito? <laughs> yeah. Tito here. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that sounds great. I want to go. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know it existed. I was like, I was like, is that 
how does that like Juno Diaz is not like allowed to write a book anymore, but they're yeah. doing like huge celebrations of Michael Jackson. I don't the know. Whole, this is good. The, they're holes in the matrix of like, yeah, canceled news I mean, they're gaping, ridiculous holes. Our yeah. Kelly, he can't, yeah. he can't stream. I mean, the language. What but do you like, mean? Uh, you literally yeah. said gaping, ridiculous holes and then comma Ron Kelly, yeah. but continue. Uh, um, <laughs> no, he was, he was, he was taken off of uh streaming because he dropped a record like a, like a, day wait, and they, half ago they pulled the album down. Cause I, it's called, I admit it. it. Apple music. Yeah. I admit it. Although um, that's should give him credit is, for admitting old, it. I admit it is an old song and it is, it is a troll. This is from before like oh, he, he was, doesn't admit he was it deep in it. But oh. he's, he's admitting to all sorts of other things. Like I was got it. I thought he admitted it. Sometimes I would steal somebody's but, girl. And sometimes I mm-hmm. drink a little too much. Also, I'm not very good at reading, which he, he yeah. read. he's like actually illiterate. Is he actually illiterate? He says, I'm dyslexic. I couldn't read the content. No, you actually just no, that's not read. It's not <laughs> just, going backwards for you. It's just not going at all. Literacy is not dyslexic. <laughs> yeah, that is different. Yeah. It's not that yeah. you, you can't okay. possibly read. It's that he's got some time read. to learn how to read now. Well, um, <laughs> Because again, we've we've read articles about how he's making friends in jail, and people love him because he's always serenading them. Um, but yeah, there's three versions of the song I admitted on the album, and a bunch of other tracks which were obviously recorded before he got into trouble. None of which are about, so far as I can tell, I haven't listened to the album, so I can't give you an honest appraisal of its quality. Why did they um, take it off? Mostly the... about romance. I just stuff. I'm checking to see if it's still on Apple Music because I saw it there when it my first source. Came out is literally Saturday Night Live from last week. Um, so it <laughs> okay. might okay. be a little bit uh, Usually rough. very trustworthy news source. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a weekend update, you know. It's, mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open Spotify Seriously. while we do this and see if uh, Robert Kelly got his shots. And he is, uh, <laughs> let's see, um, Chocolate Factory, that's up there. Uh, oh. 12 Nights of Christmas. Um, ooh, that's a good, that'll be a hot one around this time of year, this Christmas right. album. I mean, you know. Um, it would appear that... <laughs> yeah, I don't that, see, I admit it. It's not I admit it is... No, no, there's, it's, there's, it's, there's playlists, but it looks like it's not there anymore. Not the record. Hold it down. No, yeah. that the Which deluxe... I, I the mean, deluxe version of Black Panties is... Um, is yeah, you uh, still get that? You still get that. You know, it starts off with legs shaken featuring ludicrous. <laughs> I mean, I could I talk could about innocence. I've never, never listened to that. Yeah. You can yeah. get all of the rest of his um, sexually charged oeuvre It's all available, but uh, his post incarceration releases. But, uh, no, thank so you. So that's confusing to me. You have to be convicted. It's, it's not, yeah. if you're convicted, they're saying these crimes happen. Shouldn't the bands start from the first, you know, accusation because the court says this happened so that happened in 2004 everything before 2004 is fine everything after so it's only when you start serving your term that that you can't release any new music but when you were being a rapist and a pig that music is fine and a lot of it's about that has a very kind of suggestive you can connect it it's not like they're totally unrelated his crimes and his music (laughs) They, they kind of have similar themes but imagine you take that away I, I, I don't want any of it taken away to with like see murder, which I know yeah. they didn't. You could get yeah. all of his albums online. I'm so certain some of that stuff was released uh, after his incarceration mm-hmm. for murder um, because yeah. you know, named see murder. He was very, he was very straightforward about what he was going to do. He told you at the beginning <laughs> <laughs> and, and, plenty other, and plenty of other artists who've done very, very heinous things. But again, R. Kelly has a Tupac. Profile, and that's Tupac went to prison for sexual assault. Yeah. Prison. He went to prison. 
for 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 I believe for rape, didn't he? Wasn't um, the actual Tupac, charge? Yes, yeah, for rape. Yeah, you would think that maybe sexual, sexual assault, probably. Yeah. In in hindsight, with that, anything that happened after that, would you not do it? Then no Tupac albums have been taken down. I mean, no, look, I don't. There's, there's some of these kids who were, you know, Phil Spector on, murdered a woman. Yeah, I was going to mention other hip hop artists who had either. There's a lot of murder. Credible, <laughs> credible allegations, cases that ended up getting tossed because witnesses yeah. would no longer talk because murders. Funny that. Um, yeah. And their albums are still happens. sold. Yeah. yeah. William so, Shatner still walks free term. among us. What did William I mean, Shatner do? Nothing. It's just that two of his wives died of drowning in his backyard pool. Oh, wow. Is that true? I think so. Good it's Lord. Sorry. Um, but yeah. Huh. Two that, of drowning? That better not be fake news. That's fake know. news. Is it? Right. I don't know. I don't are know. you thinking of Natalie Wood? <laughs> You think no? I've I've told you the world's best joke, right? Uh, there's uh, this is when you can carbon date a person when they know Natalie Wood jokes. Yeah. It's literally I can tell you how old you are when you know Natalie Wood jokes. Um, this this has this uh, special Boston twist to it. Oh no! Because um, it was told by a friend of mine, um, and it was the day after uh, uh, graduation night, which in Southern California everyone goes to Disneyland, like all the high school kids, and so <coughs> yeah. you know, Gloria Estefan's playing. It's really great. That's how old I am. And uh, and then we leave. And what we find out waking up, all of us crash at a friend's house, is that uh, a guy who's our favorite college basketball player, because he had just played in the uh, Western Regional of the NCAAs, which happened in Long Beach. We saw him live. Mm-hmm. Uh, was this University of Maryland, right, uh, Camille? A guy, uh, Len uh, Bias. Len Bias, um, yeah. yeah we, found, Bias. we found out that he had died. It's my friend. Yes, I remember where I was when I found out Len Bias died. Uh, yeah, I remember County. well. Um, of, because he was drafted by the Celtics, he would like mm-hmm. the Celtics would have never lost a game for a thousand years. Um, and my friend walks in and goes, "Guys, what kind of wood doesn't float?" <laughs> that's I knew it was coming. And to he it. said, "Lead bias." That's and actually yeah. That's yeah. A, yeah. that's an yeah. actually yeah. funny joke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I, re- I somehow remember that, or maybe you told yeah. me this. I yeah. probably told this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kanye had some new music as well, um, which was released. I guess in collaboration with Info Wars, and he had posted to his Instagram, but that was he didn't attempt to sell that or stream it anyplace so far. Wait, he posted he or at least it he isn't anywhere. Rec- collaboration with in, 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 Info Wars. No, he 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 recorded something and he released it, and it looks like he gave them not so much an exclusive, but the the like he dropped it there first, I think, um, at least reportedly, and then he also posted it to his Instagram. But it, it's just, it's his music. Is it any good? Um, I mean, it has this like killer Donny Hathaway sample uh, from Someday We'll All Be Free, which is a, a song of personal significance to me because I love Donny Hathaway. Donny Hathaway and Marvin Gaye like in the pantheon of crooners that I love. Like, that's the top right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the sample is great. The song is only two and a half minutes. And Ye is kind of rapping his ass off in a way he hasn't mm-hmm. in, a, in a while. Um, but he also ends the track in a very trollish way. Um, and he does say specifically <laughs> that, you know, they're past DEFCON 3 now. And mm. that there's the little sample um, of the clip from him on Alex Jones's show saying, I love, I love, I love over and over again. Of course, he doesn't specify who he loves you know, mm. when he's saying that. So yeah. it's, it, you know. 
He should have for, sampled Deutschland I'll over just say this, That it was nice to have soul sample Kanye back for a moment. Um, it was a little sad after the fourth listen when I realized what he was saying that I, I couldn't yeah. be very excited about it. So we did have a number of people who said, please never mention Kanye again. I apologize that that came yeah, up, but it came up in context. Don't tell me yeah. what to do. You yeah. are not the boss of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, we talked about the Twitter files. We talked about the New York Times. We talked mm-hmm. about the, the Kanye to the, um, despite some people not wanting me to, to talk about what I want to talk about. Um, what else is there? Gentlemen. I, I want to mention one thing. I'm looking at this link here. This is um, a New York Times story, which is, you know, appropriate and, uh, about Cuba. And I just want to read you a subhead. This is a, did you see that Cuba is depopulating? Did you see this? It was linked yeah. on Drudge. Uh, largest exodus, exodus yet threatens country's future. The subhead of this is essentially the nub of why all Cuba reporting is bad. And it starts with this premise, and the premise is wrong. So the, the subhead is, the pandemic and tougher U.S. sanctions have decimated Cuba's economy. No. Prompting the biggest migration since Fidel Castro rose to power. No, that's not what decimated Cuba's economy. I mean, and we're not, we're using decimate in, in the way of destroy and not one in ten. But what decimated Cuba's economy is the structure of Cuba's economy. And it has been acting as such since 1959. And you're talking about an accelerated number of people leaving that might be because of, uh, you know, because of um, the pandemic. But this is absolutely not because of a thing that I oppose, which is the embargo. um, And which obviously Joe Biden can do a lot of things about. I mean, there's been a back and forth game between, you know, what happened with, um, with, uh, 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 what are we talking about? President Obama was that his name, and then and then back to Trump, of course. But you see the shift among Hispanic voters in America. I don't think Joe Biden, particularly in Florida, is lining up to reverse a lot of the stuff that Donald Trump did to close up um, Cuba to Americans a little more. I mean, you can still go. Um, it's just a bit more difficult. You can still book online. You just have to tell the airline that you're, you know, doing humanitarian work or something like that. They don't check, and you can just I mean, go. Uh, Biden early in his presidency, and I wrote about it, but I can't mm-hmm. cite the details, did loosen up some of the some of easy, easy to loosen Trump restrictions yeah. on it. And, and yeah. he should have, and he should have done more as far as should I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, and also, it's not back to the way it was under Obama. No, it's not the cause of the misery on the island. It, Just, it's, it is astonishing because it both um, blames this act of God of, uh, or act of the Chinese government, who knows, um, and then followed by an act of the United States. That's not why the Cuba, Cuban economy is uh, terrible. My friend um, Alex had texted me earlier today, and he, he mentioned something really interesting. And we had a conversation about this. I want to read you his text, because I think that this is actually pretty, pretty amazing. And this is, he's, he wrote, apropos of nothing, when the, the, when the Pakistan floods hit, an understandably panicked health minister said, health minister said one-third of the country was underwater. Sure, it's, sure, it seemed it, but then satellite imagery showed it was 10%. The BBC never stopped saying it, and the New York Times, and the New Yorker. I just checked. And this precipitated a conversation about the funny thing when we talk about you know Twitter files and media and media being biased. One of the things that is really annoying is the fact that very few stories actually are People go, don't go back to them very much, right? So, like, we talked about Matthew Shepard the other day. 
be quite helpful actually to go back to that story and talk about the complexities of it. But there's a there's a political point to be made here. There's you know money to be raised. There's a foundation. The rest of it. The um, story in Canada about the native school story, the residential mm-hmm. schools, and the people that were found murdered and they never found a single body. It turned out not to be what we thought it was. And, you know, Canada, Justin Trudeau had the flags at half staff, I think for six months or something because of this story that turned out not to be much of anything. Nobody waits it out to the end because there's, you know, a political, a political reason for it. But I thought Alex was really interesting in that stuff is that once the disaster has hit Pakistan um, happens, there was no reason to go back and correct it. Why? I mean, you set the narrative and you walk away from it. And there's so, and we were just talking about this because I thought it was interesting. There's so many versions. How long would it take you to think of five versions of that? And I, I, you know, ask listeners the same thing. Like what I thought of the residential school thing um, pretty quickly. Uh, the Pulse nightclub thing would be one. Matthew Shepard would be another. Uh, things that became more complex or they were just refuted almost entirely. But if there is some narrative, there's no, there's no desire and there's no um, motivation to go back and fix it. One of the things that you hear the most often in certainly in political discourse, but in a fair amount of journalism as just a, a random small example of this is that, um, you know, in the U.S. we have systematically cut funding for uh, education for K through 12 education. This is common. This is, this is a, the Democratic talking point for a really long time. And we've increased per pupil spending adjusted per capita inflation by nearly 300 percent since 1970. Um, and that's kind of across the board. And especially when now when you look in with uh, a pandemic emergency spending, it's just a, an astonishing amount of money has been thrown into it. But people just sort of say that work today. I learned a phrase that um, is perhaps known to everybody. And, and I apologize. I learned it yesterday from my 14 year old um, called the Mandela effect. You guys have heard of this, presumably. Is this about Mandela Barnes in Wisconsin? <laughs> no, it's about Nelson Mandela. The Mandela effect. Not familiar is, with him. <laughs> yeah. Um, is that there is apparently a large number of people who assume um, wrongly that Nelson Mandela died in jail. This is news to me because, like, what the fuck what? is wrong with you people? Yeah. Like, you have to be really stu- – yeah, no, look, seriously, Google the Mandela effect while I'm, while I'm uh, it, saying this to – uh, listeners, um, because this is a thing. Um, and so this has become a term of art in academic uh, studies. There are other examples like uh, everyone assumes that um, uh, that the uh, guy in uh, Monopoly is wearing a monocle and he's not. Um, that's a, the Mandela effect is commonly uh, understood or believed things that don't happen to be true. Um, and the monocle one. Oh, actually it's like the Berenstain Bears thing. Berenstain Bears is, is, is a what is the Berenstain Bears one? What do people, people presume about that? that? People presume that the name of the Berenstain Bears is actually the Berenstain Bears. Steen Bears. Everyone it is makes confident sense. it's Berenstain, but it is in fact Berenstain. Right. Bernstein. So these. Uh, it, it, I always thought really, that I always thought they were Jewish bears. It turns yeah. out the guy who did it was like very Christian Wait, or something, right? Are they Jewish? Yeah. No, they're not. <laughs> Bernstein <laughs> bears are not Jewish. That would be astonishing. No, no, they're Christian bears. That's the Mandela anti, effect, anti-Semitic right there. bears, actually. Oh my Look, god! <laughs> honestly, honey, probably looking for the honeypot. Come on, yeah. You know, you know what he's doing. They're oh definitely, definitely Nazis. Uh, um, but would it be this? Would the Mandela effect be that people think that? 
the line played against Sam is in Casablanca when it is not right, or that uh, that uh, build it and they will come is in uh, Field of Dreams. It's not. Is it not? It's built in He Will Come. It's a bit of a, a thing, but like oh. everyone assumes it's they and it's not, um, which I've been corrected from having uh, used that too. But there are a number of them um, in addition uh, to just sort of common uh, mishearing or misunderstandings, um, but that are commonly repeated by journalists. And I think that's an interesting field of study, Moynihan. You're right. Yeah. Like, what are things that are just sort of commonly said, commonly believed um, uh, it's it's a little bit more difficult to say, you know, the embargo is causing the problems in Cuba. That's more interpretive, mm-hmm. um, although I don't think it's that interpretive. Um, hmm. uh, when you look at and experience the the degradation there, you know, the things that people um, uh, can, that Cuba can buy, they can buy from Canada. Mm. Canada does not have embargo. Oh yeah, sure. Mexico does not have an embargo. South America in, in general. Yeah, it's certainly uh, it it's yeah. bad and it hurts, um, and you shouldn't do it, and it's negative. Yeah. But like, no. That's not that's not the reason. I really are... thought you were going to go on to a thing about Jewish bears again. Um, I was getting very excited about that because <laughs> um, I'm looking up more evidence of if they're Ashkenazi, are, are they <laughs> Sephardic uh, bears? Yeah. And again, turns out they're Christian Christian fundamentalists. So as oh. we learned in Israel, uh, Michael, a lot of them are Arab bears. Those yes. Bears. Yeah. Yeah. It's really yeah. confusing. <laughs> exactly. For outsiders. Yeah. The, so. Most of the Bernstein bears are Palestinian Christians. In, in case you, in case you weren't aware, um, <laughs> with great mustaches, yeah. some dunk of basketball. Someone is someone is asking because I think I, I know one hand. You've got to go pick up your your little girl in not too long. Yeah. Um, someone is asking about uh, Kristen Cinema, who uh, this past week uh, left the Democratic Party and yeah. has now become an independent. Is now an independent in the Senate, which I believe takes the Democrat Senate majority back down to fifty. Uh, 50, 51. Yeah. yeah. Um, it doesn't, yeah. she's still going to caucus with them. So she, she's, exactly. yes, she'll still caucus with them. She'll still vote in much the same way. Um, but, you know, she um, and Manchin were uh, saddled with a great deal of criticism at numerous points over the last couple of years because they had routinely broken with their party um, on a couple of critical issues and forced them to do things they didn't want to do. Um, but Cinema mm-hmm. wrote a column, or not a column, but an opinion piece. Um, for uh, an Arizona paper um, explaining why she left the party, um, insisting that the the seat, uh, the seats that they hold in Congress do not belong to either one of the parties, that they, they belong to the American people and that the American people um, are expecting uh, kind of quality leadership and independence. And a great many Americans are now um, becoming independent, especially in Arizona. And she's, she's just joining them. So, I wonder if you have thoughts about this. When and also someone playing matchmakers in the uh, in the comments there says she's pretty tall, um, very mm-hmm. attractive, uh, and seems like she might be a good match for you. So no, nope, she had sex with uh, with um, Keith Olbermann. So no, is that happen. true? Did she date yeah. Keith Olbermann? Keith Olbermann's been talking about dating her, right? Isn't that true? What? He's like, I dated Kirsten Cinema, and she was a scumbag then. And sir, what, sir? Yeah, look it up. Look it up. I think I'm right about that. Just like yeah. sleep with women and then dog them publicly. Yeah, I like also wow. like. It's like I mean, he's negative. gross. Like I don't know why these women are sleeping with Keith Olbermann. Yeah, he's a complete psycho. You know clearly a psycho. You on his podcast? Yeah, exactly. All the, all the chicks I slept with. Yeah, yeah. All the yeah. I hate them all now, and they hate Keith me. Oberman, sir. Um, no, I wish people would shut the fuck up about this because what? It, it's funny because the same people who will tell you all the time that we're in a culture 
that is uh, too partisan, too divided. They're like, if you don't have exactly our views and you want to be a Democrat, um, no, we don't want you. You actually, you have to side with us regardless of what you think. And if you're sort of in the middle, there's no place for you in politics. Mm -hmm. There's no place for you to be a center. They're trying to eliminate people who are sort of centrist. And, you know, Manchin is in a state in which Democrats do not exist. He's in West Virginia. There are no, I mean, and, and look at Republicans in Arizona. If you don't want uh, a cinema there, if you don't want Manchin there, uh, you know, run another Democrat. <laughs> See how they do. Because guess what? They're not going to be caucusing with you, whoever it is. They're going to lose. And I mean, depends on if you have some idiot MAGA candidate that, that you know, Walker-like in his stupidity, you might win. But in a, in a normal fair fight, you're going to lose. So, yeah, I don't understand this thing like you've betrayed us. You sold us out. The same, look, this, Republicans are the same thing. It's the same thing that was true when, um, when John McCain did and, you know, his thumbs down. Yeah. And it's like, you could have seen that from a mile away if you've been paying attention, but everyone is saying we need fealty to the party and we don't, we don't appreciate people who are independent thinkers. And if you are, you're betraying us. It's not as if this person was Bill Crystal, who prior to Trump was super conservative and now is not. He's not somebody who's changed their views a ton in a she's short changed. period of time. She's, she's changed, changed her views in the normal like, way that I would expect. Like, yeah. She was started off as a real progressive lefty yeah. green party friendly, um, uh, kind of generally big government anti-war and, uh, and she fought for and won a lot of super split kind of elections mm -hmm. in Arizona. Um, and that's a, a thing. I mean, you mentioned McCain, like, do people not understand Arizona? Arizona is 33% of people, more or less one third are registered as independents. Um, that is one of the largest uh, in the country among people that mm -hmm. like uh, measure this stuff. Arizona, that's what they do. I mean, it's McCain, regardless of what one thinks of, of him, uh, was known to have independent minded uh, kind of uh, attacks here. Uh, Barry Goldwater comes from Arizona. There's Jeff Flink, mm -hmm. another person who's absolutely despised. Uh, by national Republicans for taking a kind of centristy, squishy things, including about Cuba, where I, I hung out with Jeff Flake in Cuba. He was all all in on ending the embargo and and uh, and helped actually in some prisoner exchange uh, stuff with um, uh, in Cuba. Um, but uh, I mean, the Republican yeah. Party in Arizona censured. I think I think they even censured Cindy McCain, right? Who's certainly the, certainly. I um, mean, this is insane, right? I mean, that's so, what, I mean, where Arizona, the party itself is. Arizona is always going to have uh, two flavors of politics, yeah. a key among its crazy its, dentists. One is absolutely <laughs> crazy people, like seriously crazy. Yeah, Some of them yeah. are friends of mine and I love them. Yeah. So uh, and and then also kind of mavericky people who don't fit in normally. Uh, some of them are friends of mine. and I love them and also vice versa. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's and that's fine. It's not a big deal. It's she's going to caucus with Democrats Th this way. She doesn't have to run a primary in her yeah. next election because the yeah. Democrats wanted to run a primary and she's like, fuck it. I don't want to deal with that, with that noise. And she gets to either decide to stick around in the Senate and uh, run plausibly as an independent, especially if Arizona uh, Republican party stupidly puts up another like Trump tard uh, against her. Um, or if she decides to peace out, she can kind of go in a lot of different directions uh, in her life. She's an interesting person. She's smart. Uh, she dresses well, she's yes, very narcissistic, but not nearly as much as a Tulsi Gabbard is in my or Keith in Olbermann. my view. Or Keith Olbermann, for fuck's sake, dude, uh, you, you take a nap. By the way, one final thing on this is that you, you, I, I, 
it's okay if you are heterodox within the party from the left. If you're screwing things up for Joe Biden and your AOC, if you're screwing things up for, for Joe Biden and for the Democrats and you're a member of the squad, you're not going to get the tongue lashing you're going to get on MSNBC than if you're somebody that's that's lurking in the center. And that's been clear for a very long time. And it's another just more evidence is if you needed any that, um, you know, you don't need the Twitter files to say that the thumb is on the scale for a certain part of a certain party, too. You know? Last quick, last quick point. Uh, I, you know, you do enough of MSNBC or other kind of television hits over the years. You're going to sit next to and talk to a whole bunch of politicians, and yeah. uh, all of us will say something um, to this degree. It's it's rare. Michael likes everybody because he's the, he's like that, but it's not that he thinks that they're all smart. It's rare that someone's intelligence will. And they're stupid and useful <laughs> in a in a memorable way. Uh, I have a very short list of people uh, where that intelligence uh, has happened. Arnold Schwarzenegger is probably top of them, like just like a canny intelligence. Jerry Brown, actually, also, but in a different way. He's a really weird dude. Um, Kristen Sinema is on that list. I met her in MSNBC. We're on those Saturday shows together for a while. And she's like, oh, OK, wow, this is that actually kind of interesting, smart yeah. person. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I told you one time I, I interviewed somebody who was very stupid politician very very stupid and i'm not going to reveal it yet but i'm going to reveal it soon actually it'll come up um but it, it's i can't right now but i will soon chances um, are when we record with a little bit more alcohol that you might have mentioned it in the past i'm just oh really oh my guessing. god good lord <laughs> do you think i hooked up with her too <laughs> i hope so i don't remember i don't remember, I don't remember. Don't. yeah all right it's a her okay yeah, it's that it's that congresswoman with the funny glasses from Connecticut. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was her name? Do you remember that woman? She had like the real kind of, you know, I live in the West Village glasses that she was a congressman from Connecticut. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm talking about. She's, she was great, yeah. Yeah, anyway. Anyway, um, how long have you been doing this? To go. Yeah, we, we kind of got to wrap because you got to go. Um, yeah. About, a, about an hour 30. Um, but we'll, yeah, we'll be my, back very soon. Um, yeah, yeah, with, yeah, uh, yeah. With the full-fledged... We got a lot of stuff coming up. Prepared, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, regular dispatch, but it's it's wonderful to be with you all this fine Sunday afternoon. Yeah, um, thank you for joining us live. It's supposed to start snowing live. in New York in a second. By the way, listening in yeah. general, is that right? Yes. Yeah, is I'm it going to be a lot? Because I was about to come up. No, no, I was not going to for like the next two three days. Wait, you're coming up? Yeah, I was going. When? To, like tomorrow? tomorrow? Yeah. Look at that. Come on up during the day. Come up tomorrow. Moving on up. Yeah. If you're if you're coming to go see MJ. We're gonna go see MJ I mean, we'll see how our listeners react. If there's somebody from the MJ cast who's a listener and wants to say mm-hmm. blanket and put us on the list, <laughs> it would be great. I want to go. Yeah. I mean, uh, tickets are expensive. So there's Just a saying. there's Just a regular recurring Monday night concert, uh, Moynihan. Uh, that's yeah, yeah, of course. Too. Of course, uh, of course. If Camille, your intent, you should come with us. I'll, I'll yeah. Tomorrow. Yeah. A regular recurring around. concert? We'll yeah. talk about it later. We'll talk about okay. it off, offline. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. We, we know of new methods of attack. <laughs>